The stats will show you, by the way, that 87% of women business owners are making less than $100,000. To me, that's bullshit because it's like less than 100K is not really enough to make a significant contribution to your family, to your, you know, future, to your wealth, right? And so, because when you're making 100K, you're still probably not taking home what you want. We need to up-level you to that next 200K, 250K, where you're making that profit, right? That's actually going to make a difference for you personally. And so sometimes it can be hard for people to find those rooms. And that's really part of what I'm committed to creating, to be able to up-level more of us with those financial systems and strategies. So you're creating sustainable aligned, scalable revenues and profits. Welcome to Marketing Unfiltered, where I ditch the highlight reel and share the unfiltered truth about how to get clients online. The good, the bad, and the OMG, thank God I'm not the only one. I'm Sophia Para. Let's dive in. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to Marketing Unfiltered. We've got Belinda on the show today, and we are talking about money. Money, 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 money. Wait, is that, is that the word for that song? I think those are the words for that song. <laughs> I also really need to stop singing on this podcast. I feel like I've done that a few times, and I always imagine people's eardrums blowing out whenever I do it. So sorry about that. But also, I don't know. It just kind of happens. Um, But we cover a lot of ground in today's episode. We talk about the four different types of business owners, and boy, can I relate to these, what habits we need to have in place to ensure that we are optimizing our profits and actually getting paid for the work we're putting in, how to create a profit plan, many different ways to create an offer that takes care of us, is priced the right way, and that is really exciting for clients. I love how creative she was. And this part of the conversation alone has had me thinking about my offers so much in the past week. I even had a meeting with one of my with my OBM today where we talked about it. Uh, and finally, with these crazy times that we're in, we're in these very uncertain times, I asked her if there's anything we need to we need to be thinking about or doing differently to protect ourselves. I loved all of her answers to my questions. She's insanely knowledgeable and really helped me look at money in a different, more creative way. I truly haven't stopped thinking about this conversation since we had it. It's definitely made me rethink a few things and rejudge a few things in my head. Not to mention, in the show notes, you are going to find a gift from her. It's called the Pay Yourself Calculator, and it's this brilliant little download. I love downloads that are also tools, and that's what this is. It's this tool where all you have to do is plug in three numbers, and it will calculate how to pay yourself more. And what I love about it is it's something you can use at any stage of your business. So wherever you are, if you feel like you need to understand your numbers a little more so you can pay yourself better, head to the show notes and grab her gift. Um, Like I said, I just, I love tools and I love that she's been able to create something that you can actually use in your business to give you more information so that you can show up more effectively. So head to my show notes, grab the pay, the pay yourself calculator from Belinda. Okay. We've got a lot to cover. So let's dive in and meet the wonderful, the knowledgeable and the genius Belinda. How are you doing? How are you feeling? 
I'm good. I'm have a, I had a little PTSD going back for my mammogram because it was this mammogram last May that found something, you know? Yes. And June 14th, the same day I was diagnosed with COVID. Like I took a COVID test at 8 a.m. and I was positive. And then at 5 p.m. I got the call that I had cancer. So it was like a terrible day. And it's my mother-in-law's oh my birthday. So oh, my God. It's just terrible on so many fronts. But so I think that day I have to be gentle with myself. Um, yeah. But um, I'm six months clean. I just went for my latest mammogram and all the tests and the, you know, Joanne, the radiologist yeah. and the surgeon and all that stuff. And so everything looked good and everything's clear. Yeah. So I feel really good and um, relieved, you know. And, mm-hmm. you know, it was interesting. I was thinking about it that. I think going through that has really sort of shifted my perspective on making money, on why yes. we have our businesses, on I was gonna ask you about this actually. Yeah. Yeah, you know, on, yeah. on how all of it matters in a different kind yeah. of way. And I really am getting loud and clear that it was so I guess comforting or like it felt mm. like safer to go through this knowing that I had a business that was going to survive. And it was not always the case. Yeah. So back in 20, I've been doing this business since 2007, I started and wow. got married in 2011, ended up with a couple of miscarriages. I was 39. I wanted to have kids. Mm. And I think at the time there was a, I have a strong intuition about things, even though I'm like very much a money person and a head person. I have a strong intuition side. And I just had this feeling that my business was not going to make it because my business was very much me centric. It was very much consulting, speaking. I do like the lunch and keynote in Las Vegas and then like fly home a day later, you know, and or same day even. And it was just all so fast paced. And so I started creating courses in 2012, like before anybody was talking courses, there was no hobby. There was like, our only option was like WordPress and wish lists to like control it, Mm -hmm. you know? And I totally did the like monetize before you make it. So I had an outline and I sold 20 people in and then I delivered it a month later, you know? And then I sold the next, I had a vision of three in the series and I just kept doing that. So by the end of the year, I had three five week programs recorded and I started to figure it out, like I had 20 people in the first one, 20 people in the second one, 65 people in the third one. Because now I'm like, okay, now I get launching wow. a little bit better. Now I get affiliates, yeah. you know. And then literally at Tony Robbins' date with Destiny, I found out that I was pregnant with our first, you know, in December. Oh, my gosh. Crazy, right? Wow. Wild. And, and at the time, I think that it was just like that business was not going to be the business that could scale with me being able to prioritize my family and a personal life the way that I yeah. wanted to do. So then flash forward. So that was 2012. And then we had our first in 13. And then I got pregnant in 14. And then the next one in 2015. And then I was done. I had kids at 41 and 43. It is possible. Everybody like, you can do it. I love that. And yeah. um, just like stay committed to the dreams and the goals and work out the rest of your life to make it happen. Right. So that was part of yeah. it. And that um, <clears throat> I needed to make sure that the business could be leverageable right? And could provide for me not to have to be on the road. It, it, I took it out of a time for dollar yeah. mechanism, which was essentially what I had created. And it was like a healthy six-figure business. So it was, it was challenging. Like I hired yeah. a new coach and I went for my VIP day. Literally at four o'clock, we created this whole plan for me. And I was like, okay, let's do it. And I went and threw up that afternoon in the bathroom because I was like so anxious about letting yeah. that business go 
But yet I, it was just a letting go. It was like, now I, I joke, I'm like, follow the vomit because it's like, those are the things that are going to push you. You know, it's like lean into the butterflies instead of leaning into the yeah. fear and not doing the thing. And so then when all the cancer stuff hit last year, I already had created the business where I was only actually on a few times a month, you know, and like I could yeah. take off a week for surgery and then another surgery and take off another week. And then they rescheduled that surgery. So I take off another week, you know, and a lot of our businesses don't allow that because yeah. they are so much like requiring you to be on and working for every hour that you're earning money. And so a yeah. lot of my, like personal passion for doing this is to also make sure that you're creating the life that you want and the business fits into that life, not you trying to squeeze your life around your business, right? Which I think is yep. just what we do too much of the time. And I think that's part of the overwork, part of the burnout that I, I just feel like is prevalent and is like this ticker running underneath almost everybody's business is like, should I just scrap it? Am I that close to burnout? Like it's just challenging. And part of why I want to see people get their money in order isn't just about having more money. Like sure, accumulation is nice and you feel a bit better having more in the bank account, but it's actually about, are you creating the freedom and the options and the choices so that you can be with your family and not having to choose like having to work nights and weekends just to be able to get by, right? I want you to be able to get ahead and have the plan and the intentional business model that allows you to have that time freedom. Because most of the time we start our businesses as like this hobby owner. And I go through this in my masterclass where it's like, you start out as a hobby owner where you actually don't have a lot of profit and you don't have a lot of freedom because, you know, you're just, you have more freedom, but you're not into the, the, business really, right? You haven't grown it up. But then as you start to move more, you just become this overworked employee and then this heavy hustler. And then a lot of people stop where they just get capped as like this restricted owner, where it just feels like they don't have the time freedom. They have a little bit of money. So there's a little bit of golden handcuffs, but then they get stuck at like a plateau, which is usually around this hundred K mark. And Because what they realize is that, wait, what got me to my 100K is not going to get me to 200, 300K because I want to grow, but I don't have more hours to give. And that's why we need to be really intentional about creating that freedom-based business for you. And I'm not this like get rich quick person or like, you know, this like touting the freedom-based business. No, it's like creating the business that allows you to have the life that you want right? Yeah. Being intentional about the revenue that you're generating, recognizing that all revenue is not created equal. Mm. And it was so funny. Um, I'll tell you a quick side note. Now, I think about this all the time, right? It's like I see, you know, pricing at like the ice cream shop and I take a picture of it and I do a story on it. Like <laughs> follow me over on Instagram. I I, I like bring in all of the- I love that. But I'm chatting with my wax person this morning and I'm like, what are you- <laughs> This is like real life, folks. Unfiltered. Unfiltered. I love it. This morning. And I'm like, what do you like to do the best? You know, like, yeah. And I'm like, do you like waxings or facials? And she's like, waxings for sure. And I was like, really? Why? I was like, because I'm thinking this is not comfortable for me, you know? Yeah. This is my arm, but still. And she's like, because it's better for me financially. She's like, it's Mm. a better use of time. And I think that she makes more per half an hour of a wax than an hour and 15 minutes of a facial or whatever it is. Right. So it's like, 
I'm like, she even she get. I was like, that is amazing to hear. Yeah. Because it's getting right that all revenue is not created equal. In the same hour, she can make more money doing this as doing waxing versus she's like, Max, I'll do one facial a day. And that's it. Yeah. So yeah. how can you kind of take that understanding, right? And relate it to your own business and be like, right, how can I maximize my time and effort that I'm spending on the business in how I'm choosing to make money? You know, and I think yeah. what happens is that we set just like these big arbitrary revenue goals. I want to make 150K. Well, it's like, right, but what do you want to sell? You know, and mm-hmm. is that priced right that you're trying to sell? I just had a new student yesterday sign up for a cash flow CEO. And I was like, would you be okay if in like two months you have an entirely different product suite? <laughs> and I was like, because I think you're way undercharging. I was like, what you want to charge, you're charging like $7,500 for 12 months of support, basically. And like, it wasn't every week or even every other week. But I'm yep. like, what if you charge the same amount and it's only for three months? And you learn how to articulate the value of working with you in that kind of a more, you know, condensed container. And then either they yeah. continue or they can go on maintenance mode. You can help them make that decision. I'm like, how would that feel? And she was like, oh my gosh, I think I'm like resenting my clients even because, yes, you know, she's undercharging. And I think what happens is people can't see the, the light at the end of the tunnel. They just see you know, the current model that they're in. And part of it is really opening up their eyes, right? To first figure out what do you want to pay yourself? Like, let's get honest about that. That's why I have this pay yourself calculator because so many people haven't actually come to terms with what do I want to make, you know, and how yes. to make that, right? And instead they just like set these big goals. They haven't tied the revenue goals to the profit they want to make and what they want to pay themselves. And it just feels confusing and overwhelming and people just want to hide under the covers, you know? Yeah. Let's see. This woman said to me yesterday, like, I feel like I'm on a hamster wheel to nowhere except to more anxiety. Right. Oh my gosh. I love that. I mean, I don't love it for her, but I also am like, that's, I get it. Like I've been on that hamster wheel and I know so many people who have been as well. Honestly. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And you know what? Yeah. You go first. Yeah. Oh no. I was just going to say what's interesting. And it's so funny. Usually I kick off my podcast with this section called spill the tea where I ask these like five questions, but it's like, I love how we just like dove into this because like, I like don't even want to do that anymore. I'm like, screw it. Whatever. My podcast can do whatever I want. (laughs) But like, (laughs) but it's interesting. I feel like people, well, a couple of things came up to me, came to me as you were talking about that. I don't know if, if you can relate to this, mm-hmm. but it's like I the four stages that you mentioned, right? Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, like the hobby owner, and then the overworked employee, and then I think yeah. it was like the hustler, yeah, and right, is that right? And yeah. then the CE, what was the C- freedom the, CEO? No, the restricted owner. Mm-hmm. So they're the one that feels like they're just capped. You know, they're yeah. like making money, but it's very dependent on them. So they feel like they can't really go on vacation. And then it's like, but do I have enough money to hire a team? So they feel very capped. The the top level is the cash flow CEO. That's what I teach. Cash flow CEO. Yeah. So that's what it is. Transcending where you're now making an exponential amount of money, right? Comparatively. And you have found, refound your freedom. Because that's why we're, most of us are starting a business in the first place. You know? It is. And, and yet it's interesting for me, I feel like. I have made so many changes in the last few years to help myself experience that freedom, right? To 
to like, I mean, I had an agency. I basically shut it down for this reason because I was like just so stuck and everything relied on me. And then I have, I created this membership and I still am active in the membership, but, uh, but a lot of it can be passive. Right. Mm -hmm. And yet it's interesting because I still find myself getting caught in making the business revolve around me. It's like a habit. Like I'm stuck in like suddenly, like even inside of the membership, right? I will suddenly create something that requires me to show up for it every single week. And and I'm like, I'm not able to let myself let things be free. Do you know what I mean? It's like, it's such an interesting trap I keep finding myself in. And my OBM, who I hired for this reason, mm-hmm. well, I mean, I hired her for many reasons, but this <laughs> is sure one of the reasons, right? Well, yeah. Yeah. She's amazing. And, but she was like, she calls me out on this constantly. She's like, Sophia, you're doing it again. She's like, why are you making this? Why are you putting this on your list when you don't actually have to do this on your list, put this on your list? And I, and I get myself like caught in like pricing issues where I will like undercharge and not value what we're giving enough. And, and she will catch me. She'll constantly call me out on it, but it's like weird. I can't get, it's like a mindset thing or a I don't know what it is, but the reason I'm giving you that backstory, because clearly like I I have some work to do, right? And I'm open. I know this, but like I can imagine there's a lot of people who probably do what I'm doing as well, right? And and one of the things that we're doing together, if we're we're experiencing this that I just described, Mm -hmm. is undercharging. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious, is there, are there signs that we're undercharging, right? Like oh, how do we know mm-hmm. you mentioned one, like the clients resenting, No, you, you know, that, that they're the clients that yes, that you're resenting the client. I imagine that's probably one sign. Yeah. <laughs> is there anything else that we might be experiencing? Yeah. 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 Let's think. So, um, yeah, this is in one of my, my pricing webinar. So, because sometimes I go into memberships, we should actually chat about this, but I go into memberships and I talk about pricing because like if you're helping them with Instagram, right, they still need Mm -hmm. to have an offer that's priced right. So you resenting your clients is one of them. Um, You hitting capacity and not being at the dollars that you want to make is a sign, Mm -hmm. right? That you're likely undercharging. Um, You being lower than the rest of the market, you're likely undercharging. and I don't, I'm not necessarily about trying to see what everybody else is doing and then pricing comparable to yeah. them. I would rather have you have a unique offer that doesn't feel like everybody else's and that we are pricing differently and that your audience says, oh my God, take my money now. That's what I want to be creating so that you're not trying to race to the bottom essentially and like charge less yeah. and deliver more. because that that's like a race to being broke. You know what I mean? That just has you working yeah. more and more and earning less and less. Right. So that's a hundred percent. And so, um, let's see some other symptoms. Um, yeah, I think, I think, I mean, most of the time I try and get people out of a dollar for hour from an ongoing yep. basis. Um, right. Exactly. Because a lot of times it's keeping you capped because you will have a certain amount of hours, you know? So that's something yep. to be considering if you haven't raised your rates in a while, that's another one. Mm-hmm. You know, if you are getting a lot of, this is a little, um, um, I don't know if it's ironic, but like a little counterintuitive is the word I was looking for. If you're getting too many yeses. So like when mm-hmm. people come to me and they're getting like 80 to hundred yeah. percent of the people are saying yes, it means yeah, that there's not enough true. resistance between your offer and them. Right. And they're like, yep, I want it. Like, this client, right? Everyone's saying yes to her $7,500 for 12 months. I'm like, right. 
Yeah. Of course they're saying yes, because they know like, oh my God, I'm getting this amazing coach for a year on my side, yeah. you know, and I'm only investing this. And I was like, I don't think they have the like pricing concerns that you have. Right. So we need to yeah. get over her pricing concerns. So she stops trying to count the money in other people's pockets and stands in her own value of what she's creating and the value of having her on their side, you know, because a lot of times I think we try and price our coaching particularly because I work a lot with like coaches and course creators. And when I say coach, it's not just business coaches. It's like life coaches, health coaches, relationship coaches, parenting coaches, all the things that we're trying to price per hour. Right. And it's like, oh, that seems like an appropriate dollar or like, oh my God, I can charge $500 per hour. And I'm like, well, you're, you're not actually paying for that. Right. A, they're paying for the results. And B, they're paying to have you as their advisor and like by their side for this period of time, you know? And like, I've worked with clients, thinking of one in particular, I worked with her for a year and she just sent me this amazing testimonial um, a couple of weeks ago. And she was like, I've created an extra $200,000 because of your support, you know? And it's, it's like, when it came up, I was right there for her. You know, and yeah. it's like you're not trying to quantify the hour. Like, sure, yeah. she she probably invested 20k with me, maybe over that year period, give or take. Um, but she made over two hundred thousand dollars. You know, and so it's like getting that you're not trying to price per hour for them either. So a lot of times what I'll do is that's why I'll help people to put together packages or to include Voxer, to include email, to include just like other thing or an implementation session and really focus on the value of of having you by their side, right? For that experience. So um, I think that, you know, if you're getting such a super high to kind of circle back to your point, um, and your question, if you're getting a super high yes, then we need to try to raise your rates. And then sometimes I'm not just like a double your rates kind of person. Like, cause I think that sometimes that's the advice and it's very broad brushed. A lot of times people are undercharging and they need to raise their prices. I find that it's actually about really reviewing the whole offer and making sure that the yeah. offer is irresistible, that it has a really strong perceived value to the client and that you learn how to articulate the value so that then when the person hears it, they're like, that's exactly what I've been looking for. I mean, I have people be like, yeah. I'm praying for you. <laughs> yep. A hundred percent. Yeah. I think that when when you have the right offer and it's priced appropriately and it, it feels like it is the solution and your audience has the problem and they are literally suffering from this problem and then you're coming in with the solution, I want it to be this easy match. Yeah. And that, you know, oftentimes it is about creating this better, higher priced offer. And then um, sometimes we'll just go straight for that higher price. And then sometimes I have people that aren't quite ready to just jump up. And so then sometimes we'll bump them up. So I have um, another great example. So she had a VIP day that she hated. And it had a little bit of what you were saying in that element of it was too much her. Right. Yeah. And so she had this offer. It was like $3,000. And she's like, I need to, she started working me and she's like, I need to do something about this. I'm like, okay. 
And, and I do it just a small handful of private clients. And most of my clients get this inside cash flow CEO, right? So they tell me like, what's yeah. the thing that's not working? So she tells me about this offer. It's 90 days, it's PR support, and it's this whole experience that she creates for them with three individual meetings and then gives them like all of their pitches and all their stuff. And she was totally undercharging for it. So when she would have people that were interested, she would like lean out, lean back from really mm-hmm. wanting to offer it because she hated the offer. So she'd sell like one or two a quarter. You know, she'd be like, are you sure you yeah. can do that? <laughs> <laughs> think about it a little longer. Yeah, like not wanting to sell this thing, right? And we all, you know, kind of have these offers that end up, we start to resent selling the offer. So what we did was we changed the offer. We changed who was delivering the offer, which was a big one. So it was less work on her. And we mm. had um, two other people on her team basically doing a lot of the work. So she does like 30% of it now. And mm-hmm. created some some items that were a high perceived value to the person, but low effort for her so that she would create like a media list and, you know, like things that she creates once that she can keep using for all of these future ones. And, yep. um, and we really streamlined the whole process. So just implementing this day is now like, great, you're in, let's, you know, here's your first packet. Here's what we're going to do on the first meeting. Here's what we're going to do the second meeting. Streamline the whole thing. So then she started to raise yeah. the so it was three and then it was 5,500 and then it was 6,500. And now like once a month, I get like a little stripe <laughs> image of like, look, it's 8,000. Look, it's 8,500 now. And she's like, it's going up to 10 next. And she loves the <laughs> offer. Okay. So now she's selling like two a month, right? Yeah. Like one or two a quarter. And she's not selling it at 3,000. She's selling it at 8,000. So literally yeah. one revenue stream shift made a $150,000 revenue impact. You know, not profit. Yeah. Impact. Of course, I, I care about profits and, you know, we have some other people doing some of the work. So there's a little bit yeah. more expenses for that. But I yeah. mean, it's like, it just revolutionized her whole business. Now she's like, I don't really want to do private clients anymore. I just want to do these because then I only have to do 30 Whoa. The team does the rest. You know, she's like, we get yeah. these great results for people and then they're off to the races. I'm like, boom, let's do it. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. It's like, it's, you know, you're coming on to talk about money and we obviously are going to have a, we are going to talk even more about money, but like money. we're here. That's your, yeah. I know this is all money, but what I, but the, but the shift is for me, what I'm hearing is so fascinating to me. It's like, you're an expert on money. I ask you a question about undercharging and, and pricing and you so I answered this so well because you're focusing on the offer, right? So it's like the money is going to come. Let's talk about the offer first, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like the problem isn't the price as much as it is like what's in this offer? How are you communicating this offer? How are you streamlining? What's the problem with this? Is it the price or is it you like your feelings about this offer because you know how much work it requires from you? Like you're really l- having us dissect it from so many different angles. And then once you do that and make it feels good within you, now let's look at the price, right? Like, is that, that's kind of what I'm hearing you do. Is that accurate? Yeah. There's a lot of that synthesizing, almost like a translation yeah. I'm trying to do, right? It's, it's really great. And then I'll translate it into like, I love really it. What we need to solve. And then like yeah. the other client who just signed up yesterday, right? So her one-to-one is priced too low. And then her course is priced too low. And I'm like, what? It's It's kind of like, when, you know, a Louis Vuitton purse sells for $3,000 and you're trying to sell yeah. it to me for 300, you know? And so it's like, it, like, what do you think if someone is trying to sell you that purse for 300? Yeah. You think it's, it's fake. fake, right? Of course. Like, <laughs> yeah. you really get me those results because like, 
Yeah. You know? And and then we think like, oh, this is the lower cost model, you know, like the target version of the Louis, Louis Vuitton. It's like, no, really, she's giving you the $3,000 Louis Vuitton purse, but she's only charging you $300. i am like, so I think that people aren't believing it. The other big thing that happens with offers and all of this is that people are trying to, the who that they're trying to sell it to is way too broad. So it doesn't feel like it's for anybody. So that's also a key element of the offer and the pricing, right? It can't just yeah. price it in a, you know, in like a vacuum, right? It's looking at like, yeah. actually, and I give this example of like, if I just try to sell you a money management course, cause I used to do personal finance, right? Money management for what is like 19 bucks. You probably feel like, oh, I can just Google that. General money management, it's all free. Banks will teach me, whatever, right? So true. Like yeah. money management for coaches. Oh, maybe I pay $97 for that. Maybe $197. What if it's money management for business coaches? Okay, now maybe $497. Okay, what if it's for money management for business coaches who are at 200 k and want to scale to 500 Well, now you're talking a $2,000 to a $10,000 course, right? Yeah. And I think so much of the time, we're just, we want to be inclusive. I totally get that. And Usually for your offers, we need to actually figure out what are the what's a more specific problem and a more specific who that you're solving for. And the thing is that everybody will be so I feel like my cash flow CEO should be like a precursor to all the rest, right? Because you need this understanding. Yeah. Because like people can't be nearly as successful in a program like yours, you know, or on Instagram or spending money on ads or all the things, because the offer is what's not the offer and the pricing and the who it's going to, right? Like actually creating that product suite essentially of like, what are the offers and who are they each for? Isn't quite right. And this is one of those situations like that Pareto principle where like 80% gets you 20% of the results. But if I can tweak the 20%, boom, there's 80% of the results. You know, like, like we had in Cashflow, I have this like unheard of a hundred percent return on investment guarantee because people make back the whole investment in the program, usually by like month two, maybe three, mm-hmm. you know, because we make some of the 20% changes. Sometimes it's only 10% wow. changes, right? Like people come to me, they're already successful. They're already selling things, but it's not, it just feels harder. It feels capped, right? It doesn't feel like it's quite hundred percent where it could be. Yeah. And then we have, and to what, what are some of those, sorry, mm-hmm. There you go. What are some of those changes, like the 20%? What are like the most common ones that you see that people are, are like missing? Yeah. So it's a lot of what we've been talking about so far. Right? Yeah. It's the who that they're marketing to. It's the, do yeah. they have a specific enough problem that they're solving? You know, they're trying to like do all the things. And it's like, actually, I don't want to buy a generic. I don't want to buy the money management course. I want to buy the one that's going to solve my problem. Yeah, And so I think that's a problem. Then I think that there's um, the pricing of it, you know, is is Mm -hmm. often off, right? Somehow, or sometimes, honestly, it's just the, the payment plan might be off, right? Mm. It goes with it. Um, And so people aren't taking it because they're only doing a pay in full, maybe, right? Uh, Um, Sometimes there is an underlying mindset component. So I, I see this as like two sides of a coin. And one side is mindset right? And your like CEO mindset, your emotions around your business. And then the other side is the tactics and the strategy. So yes, I'll make the changes on the tactics and the strategy side. And then I need to come back around with the mindset. I usually start and end with the mindset side. 
because we need to figure out what is that money story? What are you telling yourself? Why can't you charge this amount, right? Why do you think that Mm -hmm. your fourth grade teacher was right and you're bad at math? And then you're going to (laughs) keep living like, okay, I better not go above a hundred because maybe my math teacher was right. And I'm going to F it up. If I go to 200, 300, I'm going to have more on the line. And so there's also that element of like, sure, I can teach you all the things you need to do. And then I still though need to have you feel clear and confident going out and putting that offer into the world. Right. So I think that it's getting that they're, they're both important. And there are mm-hmm. a lot of us that do that. You know, we have like the Denise Duffield Thomases of the world that'll like amp you up from a mindset standpoint. And then we have a lot of marketing support, but we don't have a lot that really can bridge the two and can figure out like, okay, wait a second, we can price this where we want it. And yet I need you to be comfortable literally saying the price. So it gets to the point where you're like, pass the salt, pass the pepper. This is my price. And you're not mm-hmm. hemming and flying and over talking and not giving them a chance to say yes, or not making the ask or not doing the follow up. Yeah. Right. Cause there's all of that. So, so I think that, that that's part of it. And then I think, you know, to your other point about like the 20% thing, I think that a lot of times that we are not intentional about what, how we're making our money. Right. So we just think that like all revenue is created equal. Like, great. I have a revenue goal of $150,000. I'm just going to make whatever money I can to do it. And my whole thing is like, actually, if we take a step back, it's like that hour of planning is worth four hours of execution kind of idea. Right. It's like, if we take a step back and we say, okay, what role do we want your leverage program to have? right? Like the, a yeah. lot of my clients will have some sort of course or membership, or sometimes they've taken like the Amy Porter fields of the world, but then they haven't actually been able to get it out there in a way that sold anything or it kind of flopped yeah. a little bit, you know? And I get it. There's no judgment. We've all had those courses that like, oh, five people for, sure. for all that freaking work, you know? And <laughs> my goal was 20. Now what do I do? Yeah. But it's taking that step back and getting it specific and intentional about what do I want that to be, right? And and it's when we don't do that, we don't actually know what we need to work on. We don't actually know what we need to be marketing, what we need to be talking yeah. about on social, right? Because it just feels like, I, I don't know. that I think that's where some of the overwhelm kicks in and some of the paralyzation with post-social, yeah. right? Because Once you have your profit plan and you decide this is what I want to sell and this is when I want to sell it, that's actually the first step. I was just going over this yesterday with one of our Cashflow CEO students. I have them start with timing. I'm like, what do you want to launch when externally? And keep in mind internally, what is it going to take to make that happen? Right? Like, do you have your sales page up? Do you have the program done? Like, what do we need to make that happen? And do you have any other internal initiatives that you have going on that are going to take your time and energy. Cause I'm not about like pushing you to the max. Like that is not fun yeah. for anybody. So once you decide what you want to launch a when, and then you filter it through and you figure out the dollars to make that happen, then you can look at it and you can be like, Oh, it looks like the summer is going to be a little slow. Like this happens a lot, right? Where people are like heading into the summer and they're like, Oh, I guess they just chalk it up to, I guess I'm just going to have a low summer. And I'm like, or I'm thinking of yeah. one um, one person. We did this, and he was like, "August was is historically his worst month pre- prior to working with me." And I was like, "Well, what if you did like a one day retreat 
in August, right? Yeah. And then people are paying you like $1,500 for the day. They're coming in and he was into like Tai Chi and meditation and all these things. And I was like, you design a really cool retreat that people get to like give to themselves, right? For that day, it became his highest month of the whole year, right? Because he could wow. see what was about to happen and then he could put something in. I'm like, it has to be low lift. It's the summertime. You can't expect a lot of people um, it, from people, right? But they might really enjoy having something that gives back to them and not their kids and, you know, Disney and all the other things, Yeah, right? something that gives to them. So I think that that from a tactics and strategy piece, there's the mindset piece. Um, there's the overall like profit plan business model element. And then lastly, I'll toss in there that um, most people don't have enough support. Mm -hmm. So they are feeling maxed out. They are feeling at capacity because they are doing all of the things. So when I teach this roadmap to become a cash flow CEO, it's about having the CEO mindset, the money systems, the profit plan, and the support system, right? And so it's like you're not doing anyone a favor by doing all the things. And yeah. I think sometimes people are either in this like hiring too early or hiring too late and being in a lot of fear around it. And I lived through, I don't know if I've shared this with you before, but in my second full year business, I grossed $155,000, which was amazing. And this was like in a recession. So it is possible. Yeah. Wow. This was wow. 2009. Yeah. So, um, and I only started my business December, 2007. So the first year was like 65 K in revenue. I lost money and I was like, whatever, first year investing in website, taking all the programs. Second full year though, gross 155,000 and change. I took home $2,348 profit. No joke. Oh my gosh. I'm not missing yeah, that was it. And I was like, the worst part is that it was literally two weeks after I was just celebrating that I had crossed $100,000 and made this 150K and look at me second year. Like I thought I was the bomb.com. And now I'm like wow. crying at my desk in my little home office by myself looking at the PL for my accountant. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, I don't get it. You know, I had a business coach, like they were like, just go make the money. And I'm like, clearly the system is broken. Like, Two years ago, I wasn't making money and, you know, I didn't have any revenue. Now I have 150K of revenue and I'm still yeah. only bringing like nothing basically, yeah. right? Yeah. Like $200 a month netting. And so that next year, like I tried on some of those other mindsets of like, oh, maybe I don't need team if I just do more myself. And I'm like, well, then I'm going to reduce my capacity right? Then I'm going to reduce what I can actually earn. And then I was like, maybe I just have to work harder. And I'm like, no, that's not going to do me any good because I'm working plenty yeah. hard. I already don't have my nights and weekends. Like, what am I going to do? You know, yeah. I was given my firstborn. I wasn't even married then, you know? And so it was like, so I just had to like put on my big girl panties and be like, I need to take control. I need to own my money. You know, that was all part of the, that's our brand, own your money now, right? Yeah. And so in that third year, then I, um, I started to make some changes and things like I optimized my team's effectiveness. So I did have somebody in place, but I wasn't really looking at how they were using their time, you know? And so I started to prioritize them doing what actually mattered, right? You know, kind of like you had mentioned mm -hmm. earlier and it was like, stay close to the money. So I had them yeah. help me with the things that were going to help me stay closer to the money instead of like, I, I had a TV show at the time and I was on the radio and the Yahoo and all the things. And um, so she was updating my website almost every day for press. Now, between us, Sophia, well, and all of us listening, right? Like, 
were people actually looking at my website every day as like a second year business <laughs> owner? Probably not. You know what I mean? Like they would have been fine if my website wasn't up. But it was like, it just seemed like, great, I have new information that should go on there. And now back yeah. in 2009, it wasn't like WordPress. You could just like pop in, make a change, save, and it takes you three seconds. It was like key yeah. and coding and images. It was like all the things. And so like that was one of the big things that I had to do. Then I built leverage into my business. So I started to put in people underneath me so that I could raise my prices. I started charging. I was definitely ahead of my time. Like nobody was doing this back in 2009, right? Right. And so then I was charging her out at what I was before. And then I was able to take a higher level a person myself back then. And I was doing personal finance. So a lot of people think like, oh, sure, you can say this because you're doing business coaching. No, I was doing personal finance coaching. Like my book is like self-worth to net worth. Like it was very, you know, more on the mindset and like the personal finance tactics that we need to do. Yeah. And so, um, so that helped a lot. Right. And I think we all need to find the space of leverage because we need to be able to scale right? Where it's not just our time. So whether it's a course, a membership, something group, like I believed in groups since I was a swim instructor when I was like 19. And I was like, well, I can make $25 a kid and I can take six kids and I can make $150 for half an hour, or I can make $60 and then I only have one kid. And I was like, I'll take $150 all day. for (laughs) And so it's like, use those basic principles that work, right? To make sure that you're creating leverage in your business. And the third big thing I did was I created and I followed a profit plan, right? That prioritized profit and it prioritized paying myself a salary. That's why I got so excited about this pay yourself. Yes. About people not just taking the scraps that their business leaves for them at the end of the day, because they're not paying enough attention to their expenses and their profits. You know? Yes. This is actually, I wanted to ask you about a profit plan because I have heard you talk about yeah. a profit plan. Mm-hmm. Let's take a quick break from the episode to talk about how to make your chat GPT content not sound like everybody else's. If you're using chat GPT, but no matter what you do, it just kind of sounds like a robot wrote it or it's super vague and kind of giving you information you'd find in a blog written in 2017. It could be because you haven't clearly defined your message. Maybe you think you have, but perhaps it's not as strong as it should be, or your personal point of view is missing from your message. It could also be a sign that you're relying on ChatGPT to do too much of the heavy lifting. If this could sound right, this is for you. I'm going to walk you through some questions to help you define your message, and then I'm going to share 20 ChatGPT prompts that offer a little shift that will help you guide ChatGPT to effectively share your message. Now, you won't sound like everybody else. Just go to gotocoach.com club forward slash chat GPT prompts, and I'll send it straight to your inbox. Again, that is gotocoach.club forward slash chat GPT prompts. All right, let's get back to the show. Okay. So you've kind of given us some insight into this, but what exactly is a profit plan? Let's start there. Okay. Sure. <laughs> let's take a quick break from the episode to talk about how to make your chat GPT content not sound like everybody else's. If you're using chat GPT, but no matter what you do, it just kind of sounds like a robot wrote it, or it's super vague and kind of giving you information you'd find in a blog written in 2017. It could be because you haven't clearly defined your message. Maybe you think you have, but perhaps it's not as strong as it should be, or your personal point of view is missing from your message. It could also be a sign that you're relying on ChatGPT to do too much of the heavy lifting. If this could sound right, 
this is for you. I'm going to walk you through some questions to help you define your message. And then I'm going to share 20 ChatGPT prompts that offer a little shift that will help you guide ChatGPT to effectively share your message. Now you won't sound like everybody else. Just go to gotocoach.club forward slash ChatGPT prompts, and I'll send it straight to your inbox. Again, that is gotocoach.club forward slash ChatGPT prompts. All right, let's get back to the show. Great question. So what it does is it essentially, it's you can imagine like a business budget, but the word budget sounds like it should be a four-letter word, even though plan is actually the four-letter word. But it sounds like, which is very ironic too, right? But it sounds like terrible. It sounds like, oh, I don't want a budget. But it's like, actually, you do want a plan, right? Because yeah. you want to know what you need to be working on, who's going to be paying you for what. And it's so helpful because then you can look at it. You can be like, okay, right. I want to bring on a private client this month. What am I doing to go make that happen? What follow-up can I do, mm-hmm. right? So a private plan essentially starts at the top and it um, it has revenue and it has revenue by revenue stream. There's another little PSA here, right? That your bookkeeper and your accountant just need total revenue. All the IRS cares about is total revenue. You care about it by revenue stream because it's that context of like all revenue is not created the same. So if you're making $100,000 from a core, a digital course that takes very little effort from you, right? That's one thing. You show up for a Q&A a couple times a month, maybe, versus $100,000 from one-to-one coaching and you're on the phone 30 hours every week, like mm-hmm. totally different, right? And so so that's important, right? Is that your plan has revenue by revenue stream. And I even have people, when you're inside cash flow CEO, to look at what's contracted to come in. So what have people already agreed that they're going to be paying you? And then what do you want to create for that month? What's your projected? Okay. Because Mm -hmm. a lot of times too, we feel like we're starting every month at zero, but we're not, right? Because we have people on payment plans for courses, on extended coaching programs, on memberships, right? And so if you, when you see this, the numbers and you see the data, it relieves so much of the anxiety that people feel because they don't know, like they think that the ignorance is going to be bliss, but it's actually really, really stressful. Right. And then you feel like, shit, where's my money coming from? And I have, you know, a bunch of different women who are like, some, some of them are single moms and like, they're the sole provider and the breadwinner. I mean, essentially I am too, because it's my business, our business. And my husband is my right hand. He's my only employee, right? He's my right hand person. So we are the family's finances in some ways. Right. So yeah. it's like you do care about that, right? You do care about what's already contracted and then what's your total projected. And then it really helps you direct, okay, what do I need to be doing to be achieving that every month? But let's keep going down. Then you have expenses. Yeah. And then at the high level profit plan that I teach, it's like, how do you figure out what your monthly nut is? Because in general, we kind of have a base of like the monthly subscriptions we have and you know the things that we're paying for on an ongoing basis, your membership that we love and we don't want to cancel. I will say that usually when people go through this, I have a module on managing expenses. People look at it and be like, it's kind of like, I have them do it business and personal. And it's kind of the equivalent of like, when you have so many channels on your remote control, you can't even find them all, yet you're paying for them on your cable bill. The same thing applies with our business, <laughs> right? Where it's like, Oh, and we, and we just did this review and I was like, we're paying for plus this. Are we even using that anymore? Because we used yeah. to use it when we had go to webinar, but we're not using go to webinar anymore. So we don't need to pay the $79 thing anymore, you know, oh, or we had, yeah. yeah, which we were using when we were doing video series and we haven't been launching the program that we were doing the video series for in like 
four years. And I'm like, great, let's download all the videos that are on there that we might want and let's cancel that, right? So people often save on the um, expenses side once they review it, but you figure out what your monthly nut is and then you, you layer in, and this is really important, you layer in what you want to make happen. So like, when do you want to staff up? right? And then how do you start to set some money aside sooner so that you don't put so much pressure on the new person to perform right away because you have like two to three months of their salary set aside. You know, you can plug in, when do we need to hire a copywriter? When do we need to ramp up Facebook ads? Like way too many people are making what I call bank balance decisions, right? Where they're just deciding what their business can afford based on the moment to moment transitory balance in their bank account. Super stressful. Oh my gosh. You know, so many, that's so true. So many people are doing that, right? And so instead, I want you to look at it and be like, okay, wait a second. I know that next month I want to be hiring that copywriter because then the next month I'm going to be launching. So I need to keep the cash there. I don't just want to blow it or transfer it or spend it, right? Because yeah. look, I've thought this through, like with a clear head, you know, with some planning in mind. I've thought this through in terms of what I want to create for my business. So that's the expense side, right? So it's the the base. And then what are the particular shifts that are going to be happening month to month? And even sometimes like our Kajabi is about to renew. That's like almost 2K because we have a lot of programs and products there, right? So then that's also where you can plug in some of those bigger one-time expenses. It's just, you know, there's a few of them every um, year. And so just know, you'll know what those are for yourself. Again, once you're closer to your numbers and you'll know, okay, right. Like we don't have a lot of annual subscriptions, but we have a few of them, right? That's one of the big, yeah. I literally just got an email on Monday that that was about to renew. Right. And I was like, yep, got it. And so, um, then you get down to accounting profit. So it's literally revenue minus expenses equals accounting profit. Great book by Mike Michalowicz is Profit First, but I think it's kind of confused people to think, like to understand what profit is, but that's accounting profit. Then we al- we can allocate that profit, right? Like how much do you want to get paid? How much um, needs to be set aside for taxes? That's a big one. I can yeah. tell you how many people come to me and they're like, you know, I wasn't doing estimates, you know, I wasn't sending in money for estimated taxes, or I... Um, didn't realize how much money I made. Like, I get that a lot. I'll be like, okay, what was your revenue and profit? They're like, I don't even know. I'm like, well, that would be good to know, right? Because it's like, we can't set aside money for, we can't make conscious data-driven decisions without having that information, right? And so, and that's why I put it in mindset because you need to be willing to look. And I think so often we're just too afraid. But my point is like, let's just look without the judgment and realize that actually once you have that information, you're going to be much happier that you now can make better decisions off of that, right? And um, and then so then that's where we can also set some money aside for profit in terms of, you know, put, starting to put money into a retirement account for you to build up your cushion savings account, to pay off debt, to do other things, yeah. right? So that's what the whole plan looks like. And, you know, I do this like overview kind of in a masterclass a couple of times a year, talking about this. Um, and then really that's what our cash flow CEO accelerator does is that by the end you leave with this plan with the right offers at the right pricing and you have the right mindset and you have the right support system. And you're like off to the races to go and actually mm-hmm. up level that business from that hundred K to the 250 K right. Our, our, most of those students are in that like 75 to 250 K. And like, we just had one of our students was like, stuck. And sometimes people are stuck at the eight to 10 K, 
But like this woman was mm-hmm. stuck at the 20 to 22 K per month. Right. But she's, mm. but I, I have personal goals where my partner and I would like to have extra cash. Right. We want to get a house. We want to do things. And I was like, great, then let's do it. And she's like, and I wanted, I said, I've wanted a 30 K month for years. <laughs> and I'm like, great month three, 30 K no month two, 30 K month that she achieved. Right. And so it's like, all these things are possible. It's just that we need to make some tweaks to, um, to our offers, to our pricing, to like the way that we're running our business. Like I have a very holistic view where sure the container is money, but it's really looking at it from the context of like, what is the life and business that we want to create for you? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh my God. I can't even, I just really hope everyone is listening to this. There's so much value in everything you just said. For me as well, I do not have a profit plan and I'm like, fuck, I need that. Like, why don't I have that? Do you know? (laughs) Like, it's like so important. How often, like, do you do this at the beginning of the year and then just kind of like check into it every month or what are your habits Mm, around the profit plan? That's a great question. Yeah. So it's not just like creating it and then putting it in a drawer, like closing the Google Doc. Yeah. Just locking it. Um, it's, it's very much like I look at mine. So I have my assistant update the, the, so I want you to have like a QuickBooks as like an overall tracking mechanism. Right. And then Mm -hmm. from a revenue tracking standpoint, we have a separate spreadsheet that goes into more detail and really supports the profit plan, um, planning that has been done. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I, I have her updated twice a week. I look at it probably once a week because it keeps grounding me and like, right, I wanted to go and sign up two people for cash flow. So what am I doing to do that? Right? Like we haven't even opened up enrollment. We already have four people in because I've wow. had it top of mind. Right. I haven't just like, you know, I, I, I too, and I've been talking about this lately, like launches can be stressful. And I, I was finding that I was putting a lot of pressure on the launch itself. And I was tired of that. So I was like, well, what if I just start enrolling people a little bit earlier so that I go into the launch with a base of women already. And then yeah, they have like, it's like, I've already started to like make the dinner and set the table and people yes. are sitting down. Right. And it's like, this is what you're coming into. You know, I mean, some people yeah. make back their money before they even start. Like that's what's possible, yeah. here, you know? Um, so, um, so let's see. So what else do I do? So I look at it. I suggest to people having like a money Monday or a finance Friday, like just having one time a week where you just let mm-hmm. yourself like look at your bank accounts, look at your credit cards, look at your plan. Right. And so I, I look at it every month. I don't necessarily change it every month. Right. I think about it almost on like a quarterly basis. Like what am I looking to achieve this quarter so that if one month in the quarter is a little bit softer, that's fine. Just you can shift it in the quarter, but then I reevaluate on like a quarterly basis and say, okay, do I need to do anything different? I find publicly a lot of people think about it in December because there's yeah. a lot of people talking about planning. So like December, even January, but I think January feels even a little late because you're already into Q1 by the time you're doing it. But December and then June is a good time because then you can look at this back half of the year and you can be like, okay, did I achieve what I was hoping to in the first half? Yeah. And to the extent that I didn't, what do I need to be doing in the back half to to kind of turn the tide, you know? And and part of me was like, do I want to launch in June? And last time we launched in July and I just felt like it was too summer. But I was like, in June, 
the summer is usually actually a slower time for a lot of us in our businesses. So what I found mm-hmm. is that it's actually a nice time to be addressing all this stuff and making some of these changes. And then you come out in September, October, gangbusters, because then you have your better offer, you have your better pricing, right? And when everybody's trying to ramp up, you're like right there, ready to go. So um, yeah, yeah, and I, and I think that the habits right, are really a lot of it to even start to pay attention to what are the current habits that you may have that aren't supporting you, right? And sometimes that's just like the mindset that we're holding, right? Like what, even when you're on a sales call, are you telling yourself, not you, but like everybody listening, right? Like, yeah. are you telling yourself, oh gosh, am I pricing this too high? Are they going to want it? Mm-hmm. Am I right fit? Like, what is that self-talk that you're doing? And how can you even start to shift that? So sometimes the the habits, like, if you know sales calls are a little stressful for you, then create an outline for yourself, you know, like have some of your kind of affirmations. And I'm not a huge person that's like, try and believe something that you don't actually believe. I like the affirmations that are more like, I'm becoming the cash flow CEO. I am becoming the woman who is totally comfortable on sales calls. So it feels true. You're becoming the woman. You might be on the early side of that spectrum, but you're becoming, you know, one of my um, past students, actually, we have a few men. Um, Andy Dooley talks about it as using three words, um, beginning, becoming, and allowing. And so I often encourage Mm. that where people can be like, okay, that I can get. I'm allowing myself to do this, right? I'm becoming that person. So again, like everything in my world, there's some mindset kind of habits. And then there's some of the tactic strategy to be able to um, look at your numbers more comfortably, right? Mm-hmm. To I don't want you changing up everything every week because that'll just take a lot of time and it yeah. will feel comfortable. But for you to look at it more like on a quarterly basis in terms of changing things. And then if you want to adjust it a little bit because you know that like one month came in higher even, right? Or like mm-hmm. something, somebody you thought was going to sign up in... Um, June, signed up in May, then adjust May, right, in terms of what actually happened, and then readjust June for revised expectations for that, right? Because I think the other thing too is sometimes we have a really short memory when it comes to our plans, right? And so it's like we have this gangbuster month, and then the next month feels super slow. And it's like, right, because you just killed it last month, and now you're (laughs) fulfilling, right? And so yeah. when you can see it in a plan and you're thinking about it more on a quarterly basis, you can kind of like talk yourself off the ledge because you can be like, oh, right, you know, and then you can be more intentional about it. And I will often encourage people to think that through, right? Like if you just had a big launch and you're selling all these people in in the next month, you're not promoting anything, right? Like, yeah. And don't, I don't want you to feel the need to, to keep up some fake like dollars per month standpoint, right? Because your launch month probably blew the quarter out of the park. So take that and be more realistic about what is going to happen in the next month. Yeah. And I also like it when the opposite is true, right? When you think it's going to be a good month and then for some reason the launch doesn't go to plan. What I love about this is like you you can see your numbers with like – in a bird's eye view. So it's like you're, you can so much more easily problem solve, right? Cause you can kind of see, all right. I mean, through all of the work that you talked about today, actually, yeah. that it helps the problem solving. Cause you're really, I've noticed a few times you, you are looking at it 
with such a scientist like telescope, like even when you were talking about launching, you're like, because launches are stressful. So how can I make a launch less stressful? I'll bring in people sooner. I just love how you like get to the, what's actually the problem, right? Let's solve the problem. And that will solve the money. You know what I mean? It's just like really, I love it. I really love it. Yeah, and it happens a lot. It's, I, I don't, it's funny that you picked that out. So I think that's amazing. Yeah. I think you're an, a, a great interviewer, Sophia, um, because I think that's what I end up doing in my coaching. Like, I, I wish that so many yeah. people could just come behind the scenes, like into cash flow, you know, totally. what happens there, because people will ask me one question and then they'll think that, like, that's the question. I'm like, actually, let's focus over here, you know, and they'll be like, oh, should I, you know, revamp my systems and do all these things? And I'm like, actually, is that just a total avoidance tactic because you're launching in six weeks and you're freaked out about the launch? Like maybe we Mm. don't be focusing on this right now, you know, and it's kind of like listening through people's questions a little bit um, to really get to, well, what is the problem? Because sometimes we think that the symptoms are the problem and it's like, no, you know, like if, if a launch didn't go well, we think that it's us oftentimes, right? Or we think that, oh, 100%. Facebook ads or, oh, my Instagram lives weren't that good or whatever. It's like, actually, maybe it was just that the offer wasn't quite right or wasn't quite talking to the right person. You know, like I don't want people investing a ton of money in marketing, like in Facebook ads, for instance, yet until they've thought this all through. Mm. Because I think that, it's in the pricing and it's in the offers that it's a much faster path to cash, right? Like building yeah. your list and your platform is a longer game. But in the short term, like with this new student, if, and she was the one that was like in that anxiety that she was saying, if we can shift her offers, so now she's bringing in the same 7,500, but every quarter instead of once a year, it's going to revolutionize her profit. Yeah. Right? Because she hasn't been paying herself you know, and she has a big tax bill, you know, and it's just like, what if we actually solve it a couple layers deeper so that we're getting you the result that you want, right? In terms of having more profit, having more ease and reducing the anxiety that the business is providing you right now. So I love that you picked that up because I think that that is part of the special sauce, you know, of being in my world and working with why I love coaching so much and I encourage everyone yeah, no. to come to me on DM, like share with me your thing, your challenges. I almost used to turn myself like a financial therapist because, you know, <laughs> I mean, I am like a confessional. I'm Jewish, but I'm like a confessional. People. <laughs> and it's like, it's like they, you know, they're like, tell me things that nobody else knows or like the tax bill or, you know, the, the, yeah. whatever. Um, you know, the, the crying, the meltdowns, like all the things yes. people share with me. And I think partly because I've been through so much in 16 years. I've helped so many people, wow. you know, with their own stuff. And like, I had the tears when I'm sitting and looking at that PL with $155,000 and I'm taking them to, and I'm like, no wonder I feel so stressed. Like there's mm-hmm. no profit in that business. I can't just listen to all the business coaches that are more like marketing coaches that are like, just sell, sell, sell without actually looking at the profit rate, right? without having that plan. A punchline, by the way, the next year I grossed 256,000 and I took home almost a hundred thousand. Right. So, wow. So I started, I made all the changes that I talk about, right. To become that, yeah. what I now understand is this cash flow CEO person instead of feeling like a victim to my own business. I think that that's oh, a lot of what that. we feel. We feel like the business is happening yeah. to us. And actually, it's like, 
well, what if, <laughs> you know, you're actually the cause. And I think sometimes yes. like, you know, I, I, it, it probably won't surprise you, right? Given that my company is called own your money, right? That there's a level of underlying responsibility that can come. But I look at it that what if responsibility felt as sexy, fun, and cool as irresponsibility has always felt, right? If we get to the point where it's like, actually, if I'm doing the thing, right, and I'm the cause of what's happening, instead of feeling like the victim to it, like I become the victor, and don't get me wrong, like things don't always work out. Like when I was going through, um, when I was going through cancer last year, you know, and it's almost, which is crazy, like a year since that day when I found out I had COVID and cancer, right, on June 14th, that um, I was mid-launch, just to put that out there. Oh my gosh, yeah, no was, way. Like, oh yeah. Oh, it, it, just when you thought it couldn't get worse, right? Um, I think this was before oh my we gosh. started recording, but it was like 8 a.m. COVID, 5 p.m. breast cancer diagnosis. And I was in this launch model that was, it was an interesting one. I'll just put it that way. But it was based on IG lives for three weeks and you open card at the beginning of the third. Whoa. And I was at week and a half in a three week launch period of this launch. Right. And oh my gosh. so it's like, I'm not, I'm, I don't pretend that life is always unicorns and rainbows and it's always going to work out. You know, sometimes it's about relooking at that profit plan and being like, okay, what, what can I make happen now? Right. What, and I thought last year was going to be my breakthrough year. And then I was like, nope, like it's going to be my health breakthrough year. You know what I mean? I'm just going to focus on health and I'm going to be happy with that. And, um, I'm not going to put the pressure of reaching that next revenue and profit milestone for myself because I want to allow myself energetically, physically to be able to focus on my health and my family and feeling good again. Right. And so we had three people in that launch. Normally we got like eight to 10 in the program. This year we'll probably start to head up to 15 to 20. Now that we've really dialed it in, we've launched it four times in this accelerator model. And we had launched it three years before that um, in a little bit more of a DIY. And what I got to, like, just like I preach and I teach, I do it for ourselves. I took a look and I was like, what do, what would be most fun for me in this offer, right? And what do I think mm-hmm. get my clients and students the best results possible, right? So we totally revamped it in Q1 of last year, to include the curriculum, but then also to include four months of my coaching, right? And Mm -hmm. an extra once a week, one-to-one mindset and accountability because we want everyone to do it. We want people to implement. We want people to leave with that profit plan. And so in that June launch, I had three people or July launch last year, right? Oh, and then everything got pushed out, right? Because then I had COVID and I couldn't talk for 10 days. So I can't Mm -hmm. imagine lies because I had it really badly. And, um, and then I was like in all the doctors and surgeons and surgeries and whatever. So I, I took my three, you know, and sometimes like, that's what happens, right? You take your three and you pick yourself up and you're like, okay, what am I going to do differently next time? You know, but that I didn't push, I didn't, I wasn't like, I have to make my 10 at all costs, you know? And, um, and those three got loved up you know, and, and two of them are still with us, like in our membership program, you know, and it's just like, it's just getting that, like, it's figuring out what your best is and figuring out how are you going to show up as your best in a moment. And it can change on a moment to moment, but it's recognizing that you can become the cause of what you want to make happen in your business. Mm, So beautiful. Amen. 
Can I ask you one question? Sure. One one extra little question mm-hmm. before we I know I've like I've kept you for so long but it's just riveting listening to you honestly. You um I I also I love talking about money. Like I just find like it's like it's like oh. the root of so many things. So I just love talking about money. Um but my question is time the world is so crazy right now. <laughs> like just times are so freaking crazy. I'm just wondering, I mean, obviously there's so much of what you've talked about are like practical things we can all think about right away. Is there anything we should be thinking about in terms of like, like, like even more fundamental, like what kinds of accounts we should be having or things like that in this crazy time that we live in because things feel so uncertain. I almost feel like we need to be protecting ourselves even more than we typically do. And I'm just curious if there's anything that you feel like, ooh, given the time that we're going through, business owners really need to know about this. Is there anything that comes to mind? Totally. Um, yeah, and I think it's a great question. I think that, so let me address one thing that came up. I think sometimes I get the question of like, because times are so uncertain, should I even bother planning? Right? Like that comes up mm. a lot because people feel like wow. it's all so crazy. Like it could change in a dime. Yeah. And I'm like, well, at least if you have a plan, you can always adjust the plan. Right. And yeah. if you don't have a plan, then it's like, you know, <laughs> um, there's a saying, um, you know, if you don't know where you're going, like any road will take you there. And it's like, or no road will take you because you don't know where there is. <laughs> so it's like, oh my God, I love that. <laughs> I I, you know, and so it, it's like, at least that can be your guide and then you can make adjustments. Right. So, like, at least yeah. I have my three in my program, then I can look ahead and I can be like, okay, so can I just lean into private coaching for right now? And I'll have a few more people that I, than I might normally do because they're going to understand what I'm going through and I'll feel less pressure with 10 people that, I, that I'm shepherding through, you know? And so, mm-hmm. um, so I do like people to have a little bit more of a cushion account now than maybe they would have had before. And, you know, I think that we, we often, live the paycheck to paycheck equivalent in our business. Mm-hmm. Like we live like client to client, check to check. I want everybody to be at least a month ahead. So at least where, you know, if we're June 1st, you have enough to pay all of your June expenses with what's in the bank kind of a thing. Right. And so yeah. ideally I like you to have more like two or three months or even just set aside in another account so that you don't feel the pressure of like, oh, this launched yeah. into a coin and plan. Can I keep my team? Can I pay my bills? Mm-hmm. You know, and a lot of times more and more I'm seeing people where their family's income, unless they're the sole breadwinner, like our single moms and stuff, they don't have as much pressure around the money. And I think that that has people lean out a little bit like, oh, I don't need to put myself on the skinny branch and charge more because I don't really need the money or our family doesn't need the money. But then they get to the point where they're like, okay, this hobby has turned into a 60 hour job and (laughs) working 24 seven instead of nine to five. Like, okay, this is not, this is not what I signed up (laughs) for, you know? And so, um, so I think having more cushion than before Mm -hmm. and really having some leveraged opportunities for people to pay you, whether it's the ebook, the $47 course, the membership, the digital course, you know, having something that you can lean into and scale up, right? And sometimes it's about then, like, oftentimes I've looked at people's courses, we've changed the pricing a little bit. And sometimes we'll add like a VIP level to it, right? So it's like, there are always people that will want to pay you more. And 
another important thing. There is a price for every buyer and a buyer for every price. Okay. But the same buyer won't necessarily be good for every price. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so it's getting like, there is a price for every buyer, right? So if I have a, you know, an Hermes $1,200 white sneaker, it's not going to be the same person necessarily as my $17 Walmart person. And so some of these, like, even in these crazy times, it's leaning into who do you want to be? Do you want to be the Walmart, the 17? Do you want to be the Hermes? They're even in this economy, PSA reminder, there are buyers of that $1,200 sneaker. They are still selling out. There are still lines in luxury stores, right? And so it's reminding yourself like, yes, have the cushion. So you have a little bit of extra safety and security. And then, you know, it helps to handle like when shit comes down the pipeline and like it did with me, right? Yeah. Or you're taking care of your parents. I went through that too. You know, there's so much stuff that we're dealing with nowadays, right? Or our kids need us in a different way. And so yeah. having that extra cushion is helpful, right? But then also having that program that we can leverage up when needed that is less time for dollars goes a really long way. So I think that's also yeah. part of what I'm always looking at. And that's why it was a key part of my shift when I went from that like 2K to 100K profit year, right, is recognizing that. And to remind yourself, right, people will buy at whatever price point you set up. It's about your ability to articulate the value and to get to that person. But there are buyers out there. People pay for what they value and they value what they pay for, right? And so it's like, People pay for what they value, right? If they value something, they will find a way to buy it because it is what they want. It is what they've been praying for, right? And then on the flip side, right? People pay for what they value and they value what they pay for. They are destined for a higher result because they have more skin in the game. And it's so interesting. There's a great book, $100 million offers by Alex Hormozzi. Haven't read it. It's a must read in our industry. And um, he talks about this example of like three bottles of wine and then we'll wrap it up. Cause I feel like this is like a super long podcast for you, but it's like, I can talk to you all day. Sophia. Um, I think a ton out of this and. Oh my God. No, I'm like on the edge of my seat. I'm not kidding you. I'm like, this is like, I don't know why. I just, I just feel like this is amazing. You're okay. amazing. Sorry. I've interrupted you. <laughs> okay, that's okay. Um, so uh, three bottles of wine, one's low price, one's medium price, one's high price. They do a taste test. People try the low price. They're like, ah, it's okay. It's not so good. Try the medium price. Well, this isn't bad. I'd serve this high price. This is really good. Well, what's the thing about all three bottles of wine? They're the same freaking bottle of wine. Okay. Stop it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. We perceive something different, right? Because we um, we are assigning value based on the price. Mm-hmm. Okay. So people see a low price and they think low value. They don't buy it because of that. To come full circle, kind of a callback right wow. to the beginning of the podcast, you know, you're selling the Louis Vuitton purse for $300. They think it's only worth $300, even if it's an amazing product and you create amazing results for your clients. They are not valuing it like that. Right. So it's, like, oh my gosh. Yeah. There's so much we could talk about with all of this, but I, I hope that this really opened people's eyes up to, you know, the yeah. planning, the importance of pricing and, you know, really looking at your offers and even 
getting an outside perspective on your offers because yes. I think it's a little bit like if you're inside the box, it's hard to read the rating on the outside kind of an idea. Um, you know, a hundred percent. If I can come in or even we have a, it ends up being kind of like a nice little mastermind for four months that other people will chime in and be like, actually, I think it's about this or, Oh, what if you message this way? Or, you know, that. Yeah. Comes when no. And container more for six figure business owners, because the stats will show you by the way, that, 87% of women business owners are making less than $100,000. To me, that's bullshit mm. because it's like wow. less than 100K is not really enough to make a significant contribution to your family, to your you know future, to your wealth, right? And so, yeah. because when you're making 100K, you're still probably not taking home what you want. We need to up-level you to that next 200K, 250K where you're making that profit right? That's actually going to make a difference for you personally. And so sometimes it can be hard for people to find those rooms. And that's really part of what I'm committed to creating to be able to up-level more of us with those financial systems and strategies. So you're creating sustainable, aligned, scalable revenues and profits. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I First of all, I didn't know that stat about 80% making less than 100k like that that's really eye opening and mm. i think my favorite yeah, part like about i think is over a yeah. million it's just way too low oh mm. that's absolutely crazy i think that you're a genius and i also think i just think i even in listening to you talk today and i hope everyone else feels this way too i just have so many ideas right like even the way that you were like well what if we did this kind of offer and this kind of offer what what i'm really taking away is that there's so many more possibilities on how to structure your business that that we're all probably even aware of right like there's way more creativity we can have there's way more options and it probably all comes down to this this piece that you you started with the profit plan of really understanding what's going on so that you can lean into something even more or back up and replace it with something bigger and different and better al- aligned with you know the actual problem you want to solve like right. i fucking hate all my offers all right let's figure that out then you know what i mean <laughs> it's like there's just i'm just really appreciative of the insight that you gave us and like the different angles we can look at Obviously, we all need to learn from you more. This is the tip of the iceberg. Like, even if you just follow her on Instagram, you're going to see we literally just like talked about the tip. (laughs) Um, Where do we learn from you? Please also tell us about I know you're in the middle of a launch right now. Um, So like, tell us about what you've got going on. Even it might be in the past, but I know you'll probably do something similar to this in the future. So I just want everyone to know what kinds of things you give. So so where can we learn from you? Okay. I love it. Thank you for that great summary, Sophie. I'll take you everywhere <laughs> I go. Um, okay. <laughs> if only you weren't in the UK. Um, <laughs> you have a really amazing husband, so I'll give you kudos for that. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. I'll let him know you said that. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Back to your question. Okay. So yes, fantastic question. I would love to keep in touch with everybody. The best bet to start is uh, at Own Your Money on Instagram, right? I'm posting stories and reels. And like when I see things, I share it with you, right? I'm very much on the family side, but also especially on like the pricing and the offers and what our current students are doing. Um, so check in there and take a screenshot of you listening to this and tag us and we'll reshare it because we also want to help spread the word about the podcast and spread the word about you and your business, right? So Instagram's the first place. Um, the Pay Yourself Calculator is a really helpful initial step. 
right? Literally, you plug in three numbers, it's kind of like magic, and then it shows you, okay, this is what we need your revenue goal to be at a minimum. And then it has a cool thing where it says, and if you want to double what you pay yourself, this is what you need your revenue to be. And it's so interesting because, and so eye-opening for people because it's like, wait a second, I don't need to double my revenue to double what I'm paying myself. And it starts to just make Mm. it much easier math right? And I've laid it all out for you. So that is a really helpful um, pay yourself calculator to go and get. Link will be in the show notes. And then it's in my link tree and all that good stuff. And then, right, we have this cash flow CEO accelerator program. And, And once you sign up for the calculator on the thank you page, if we have any upcoming masterclasses, webinars, all of that, we put it right there just so that like once you're in our world, if you want to keep learning, you have an easy way to do it. And so the cash flow CEO accelerator program, I do, I launch it about every four months. So if you can catch this enrollment, great. If you're in for the fall, great. If you're in for the spring, great. Like I'm doing this, right? I love it. The people get incredible results. People literally make back their money by like month two or three. This is why I have a hundred percent return on investment. Cause I know I target five to 10 times. Like, and I think that so often, you know, we think it's just like learning for the sake of learning. I'm like, no, it's learning for the sake of creating that business that you want, right? And creating the profits that you want in this whole new way. So in Cashflow CEO, it's a relatively like small group. Like I know everybody, everybody goes through an application call with me. So I know your business. You get this beautiful combination of group work, curriculum, one-to-one mindset. And you even get an extra call with me in the middle because I want to make sure personally that you are getting the results, that you are on the right guided path for you. And really the program is there for you. If you want to, if you know you're that like hustling hundred K business owner, right? Like on track or already past it. And you know, there's the next level, but you can't see the path to get there. Or you think you have the path, but you think there's probably an easier path, right? Or one where you actually enjoy looking at your numbers. I can't tell you how many people, Sophia, are like, I kind of hate my numbers. Like, I don't even know them. And I'm like, don't even want to look at them. Right. Or I, mm-hmm. people are still in like the fourth grade teacher that says they weren't good at it and they think that they can't do it. Right. But to me, learning money and understanding how to create this kind of plan is a CEO skill. You're, it's not like a yeah. baby, like you're not born with this skill. It is a skill that you learn to become the CEO of your business. Yet no one is mm-hmm. talking about this. I am in lots of other business coaching programs. Nobody actually gives you a spreadsheet and shows you how to do this in a way that you're like, oh, got it. I have my plan. Yeah. I have my marching order. So if you're interested in cash flow CEO, just send me a DM and I'll let you know if we are still accepting people because we do cap it. We'll cap it at 20. Um, in general, this time we'll see, we might even cap it at 15 and then we just keep growing, you know, and we keep um, really supporting our students to achieve the better and better results. And it's so possible, even if you can't see the way right now, like you may feel like you're in that stuck stage, but just know that there is a way that we can help you build your support team and really build your money systems. And it's not about outsourcing to a bookkeeper. Let's just be clear. They'll do the tracking for you. They generally can't do the profit planning for you. Unless you're listening and you're over 500K, we can get you a fractional CFO. But if you're under 500K, I need to teach you how to do it. Oh my gosh. I am so in love with this conversation. Thank you so much for being here. And yes, as Belinda said, everything is in the show notes. So if anything was like, ooh, I want that, go to the show notes, get your hands on it. I know I'm going to be in my show notes getting my hands on it too. (laughs) And I'm just so excited. I'm so excited about everything you talked about. I have been feeling 
kind of overwhelmed by money conversations this month because just with everything that's going on in the world, we had a crazy launch last month. I am exhausted from it this this month. And I'm like, I'm feeling really like I need to make some shifts in my business for the rest of the year. And I mean, nothing's wrong, but it's just like, I feel uninspired, unmotivated. I just feel this need to like rejuge, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And even this conversation ignited so many thoughts for me. So I'm just really grateful that you joined us. And I know it's a long, a long conversation. Thank you for hanging with us. Um, but I just really enjoyed this. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you. And just know, like, even in your case, right, it's like, there's so many people out there, I think, just energetically, who are also feeling kind of uninspired, unmotivated, like, what's all this for if I'm working so hard, and I'm not, yeah, you know, like, feeling like I'm getting the profits out of it that I can then go and enjoy, mm. right, or that I'm not getting the free time out of it that I want to enjoy. But just even for you too, Sophia, like, there's a way out. We can revisit your plan, revisit your revenue. And you were also sick through it. And I think that sometimes too, like when (laughs) we go through launches, you know, like you can't, you got to give yourself grace and like, you know, see like, can you take off some time? Can you plan a vacation afterwards? Mm -hmm. You know, can you give yourself the chill out time because you've been so like, even those of us who are more extroverted than introverted, like we need our time to just regroup and recalibrate and like to get reconnected to what we're doing. So there's hope for you, Sophia. There's hope for everybody watching and there's hope for all of us. I love, I love actually that message. (laughs) Everyone, there's hope for you. There's hope for us too. There's hope for all of us. (laughs) Thank you. Give yourself a pat on the back because you made it to the end, which means you gave yourself and your business some time today. If you found this episode helpful, I want you to know your support is what makes it possible for us to keep making it. So it would make my day if you gave us a five-star rating and review. I also want to make sure this podcast actually answers your marketing questions, like for real, for real. So if you're a coach and you've got a marketing question that's keeping you stuck, just DM it to me over at Sophia Para on Instagram. Or if you're in the United States, you can text it to my personal number at 917-810-2418. That way I can share resources or create a future episode just for you. See you on the next one.